Morning Liberty. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm your favorite host with you, Charlie Thompson. <laughs> Sitting across from me is flu-laden Nate Thurston. <laughs> and uh, I'm not that I'm not that flu-laden anymore. How, how you doing, pre- buddy? I'm okay. I was really sick last week. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, I got this sick. Is what, this is what happens, by the way. Charlie had surgery, and I I like to do whatever I can to not be there for when it, you know just any time that you need me. I like to get real sick. You know, it's been a week since we've done the podcast. It's a brand new year. We had, I think I did a show by myself and that's all the people have gotten for the new year Yeah, because lots of things have happened. And you know, it wasn't that long ago that you had surgery and I was there for you (laughs) and I wanted everyone to know, and your wife knows this. I I went and got coffee. I got the wrong clothes, but I was still there. You were there when you were rolled. You rolled into that room. You were there for me. You, you saw your wife's face and mine. I could have been there for you, but you might have gotten the flu, which, which I, I did a you know, cost-benefit analysis on that. <laughs> and I decided that you being around someone who had, you know, like 101 fever pumped full of Tylenol still, it was not the best idea for you coming out of surgery. You know, I'm no medical professional, yeah. but I think medical professionals would advise against that. Probably. So. Yeah. How are you feeling from your surgery? Um, you know, right now I'm still on pain meds as yeah. we record this episode. So you're so feeling good. I'm feeling fine. Good. You know, there's nothing there. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I can only hear out of one ear right now. My other one is had surgery on it, obviously. So yeah. Hopefully that comes back to normal. You know, I can't get my ear wet for like four to six months. That's weird. That's crazy. How are you going to go about doing that? Like in the shower? Do you have some so, kind of thing you got to tape over it? Get this. Yesterday, I took a shower for the first time since Wednesday. Yeah. Don't judge me. Me, me too. Yeah. Don't judge me. Oh yeah. You took, you had the flu. So this, you, yeah. This morning I took a shower for the first time since, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Mine I'm was yesterday. It was the first time I took a shower since Wednesday morning. What I had to do was I got like these silicone earplugs that like can mold and basically it creates a watertight seal. Okay. And then I kid you not, they have these things called ear condoms. Huh. And so I put this little shower cap condom looking thing on my ear and then tape that. Okay. Around it so that I could take a shower. Well, thank God for capitalism. And I I was very careful about it. I don't know what you do without that there ear condom. I don't know either. Can you get those and like in the gas station bathroom, they, they sell (laughs) like 50 cent ear condoms in there. Yeah. Well, these are 75 cents. Okay. You know, okay. People don't use them as often. I got you. I got to make up for it. Specialty product. (laughs) All right. A lot of crap has happened since the, since the last podcast. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people missed us. Everyone. Yeah. All all of them did. All of them. Yeah. I, I haven't been here to do a podcast since like the day after Christmas, we did an episode or a couple days after Christmas. Yeah. And I've been gone since then. And so many things have happened. Now we talked about what happened with Iran when we came back already. We did a good episode about Iran. You did another episode about Iran. I did another episode where I was wrong, by the way. Were you? So far I've been wrong. Okay. Oh, you said that we were uh, at imminent war with Iran. I said all out war would be imminent, but it seems as if they've stood down. Now I do see us posturing for a much needed regime change war in Iran. I think that's <laughs> I think that's, you know, setting itself up rather nicely. We'll show that the people they're obviously protesting. They don't want their evil Iranian regime in there. Uh, so obviously we'll have to go in there and take care of that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the best interest of the people, not not of the United, you know, the United States or our our military industrial complex. It's not in the best interest of that. It's to, to save the people from their terrible regime. Of course. Cause they it, don't know how to do it themselves to make the world a better place. That's, yeah. That's what it will be for because every other time we've gone in and changed out a regime somewhere. I mean, it just goes uh, swimmingly afterwards. It's they, way better. Everyone's so much happier. Libya, afterwards. 
Iraq. Yeah. It's all been better it's, so far. So far, we know for sure that's going to work. So we've kind of set our piece on the whole Iran thing, uh, pun intended. Um, I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> so we'll see what other information comes out. You know that the people are protesting. Uh, there's these viral videos of people purposefully walking around the Israeli and American flag, trying not to walk on it, showing that they now magically, the people in Iran respect America and they, and they hate their leadership. I don't know how widespread that is in iran uh i think we'll you know we'll see what other kind of information comes out obviously iran shot down a passenger airliner by mistake they said and of course people have come out and, and blamed blamed america for this happening which is quite hilarious uh, and of course we've we just condemned that action of course even though we accidentally shot down an iranian passenger jet you know back in the what was that in the 80s i think so it happens it happens people shoot down passenger jets uh, we've done it before and um th this is uh, obviously a really bad thing i think it was a was it ukrainian uh where most of the people were from there were a lot of people from Canada and the UK and, and some other countries. So. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I think most of them were uh, Iranians. Yeah. Well, I like think they were. I think it was a potentially a jet. I know it had something to do with Ukraine, uh, probably had information about the impeachment on the plane more than likely. <laughs> and then it had uh, information about Hunter Biden. Yeah, exactly. On that plane. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously all jokes aside on that, that's a really terrible thing. It is. Um, we don't want anything terrible like that to happen to innocent people. And the people are rising up and are very upset about this. So we'll we'll see what comes out of there. But, you know, I don't think it needs a whole lot more speculation. We'll, we'll see what they do. Well, and the other crazy thing is, so, you know, Iran had to respond. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To the killing of uh, Hussam Kal uh, uh, Soleimani. Yeah. Uh, Qassam, sorry. Qassam Soleimani. They had to respond to that. So they sent up about uh, 20, 20 or 30 ballistic missiles. Yeah. They probably like called Trump and they're like, hey, we got to <laughs> respond. Yeah. We don't really want war. So act all tough on Twitter like you're going to. We're going to launch these and uh, they're going to hit these locations. So make sure you evacuate yeah. everyone so that our people see that we responded for killing Soleimani. Nobody gets hurt and then we'll deescalate it from there. And that's essentially what happened. It seems like they the leader of Iran called called them. You is know, it I, the Ayatollah. Yeah. Ayatollah uh, Khamenei, Hamini, some yeah. kind of, you know, weird language word like that i don't know a language uh, we don't understand we don't understand that not we here in tennessee we, we don't speak it we speak american over here <laughs> um it's been pretty cool to see the de-escalation from trump i will say you know they they struck a military base where there were american soldiers and there wasn't another response after that i think it still shows even though trump went out and killed this general and has done other things that we don't like in the middle east i think it shows trump's true colors and the fact that he does not like war he doesn't want war i understand his foreign policy is not perfect that's not what i'm saying but i i still get these little glimpses of the fact that trump does not like war i think he's very much a peace through strength he sh they showed you know we'll go out and we're gonna we're gonna take out one of your top guys we're not gonna take this anymore um but he's not trying to escalate it further there wasn't another retaliatory strike for the retaliation of the retaliation of the retaliation so that was at least cool to see um they did say that we were going to remove the troops from iraq right like they uh after the um iraqi parliament voted yeah, they voted unanimously to, yeah to remove us i get it it wasn't binding it wasn't like a legally binding resolution or anything but it is also important to note that there's a parliament in iraq the people are represented by that parliament and that parliament did vote and say that they don't want american troops in iraq anymore and we need to listen to that uh if we care anything about uh democracy as as an idea and what our goal was in iraq which was to restore power to the people then you should listen to their parliament's vote on asking us to leave their country wait we so you're telling me nate you're telling me that if we believe in liberty and freedom yeah that people in another country 
should be free to make their own choices as that's, individuals. I know that's a weird, that's a very controversial statement. But so you're I'm saying America it. doesn't know what's best for Iraqis. I, I don't think they do anymore. Maybe we did at one point in time, but uh, the people there have voted, whether it was legally binding or not, for us to leave, and we need to listen to them. If not, we are purely an invasion force occupying territory in their country, which yeah. we already kind of are. But at the point that that country asks us to leave and we don't leave, then you are just an invading military at that time. Right. And, and we need to listen to that. And we need to get out of um, all the other countries, too, while we're at it. So luckily, so far... As Nate mentioned, we didn't retaliate for the retaliation of the retaliation of the retaliation. Yeah. And uh, I was wrong. The all-out imminent war has not happened yet. I could still yeah. be right. Now we don't know. Yeah. Assuming major world events take more than one to two weeks to transpire, you could still be very correct. But yes. on a short-term scale, you have been found to be incorrect you know, about our imminent war with Iran. And I'm fine admitting my that's, mistakes. That's a good thing to be wrong I about. take responsibility. Yeah, that's a I good thing. I take responsibility for my words and my actions. And, uh, you know, I think that if you are wrong, you should say it. How crazy has it been to see the the politicization of of this entire conflict and and you know we're so divided on the different party lines when you have everyone condemning what we did to the iranian general like everyone on the left upset about it you see all them coming out they have this big war powers resolution vote they have all these things Obviously, they didn't give two craps while Obama was in office and dropping tens of thousands of bombs on these different countries. I mean, they took out Gaddafi uh, in yeah. Libya yeah. and no one said a word. They didn't yeah. care. Mainstream and media was nowhere to be found. It's been insane to see just how crazy our political divide is becoming, where there is a complete lack of principle, which I know there there normally is anyway, but there there's a complete lack of principle. There's if it's a Republican did it, it's bad. If a Democrat did it, it's good or vice versa, depending on who you're talking to. What's even worse to me are the people following a person. Yeah, because what I've seen, especially from the right, which I, I get, you know, the left is bad enough. But even from the right, it's like when Trump said a war is bad, all the Trump supporters are like, yeah, war is bad. Send, bring the troops home. And then Trump's like, uh, let's send troops and take out the general. And all the Trump supporters are like, yeah, let's take out yeah. the general, send all the troops, let's obliterate them. And then Trump's like, oh, let's deescalate everything. And everybody's like, yeah, deescalation. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you would blindly follow this guy no matter what type of decision he makes, be it on policy or anything like that. And one thing I saw the other day that made me laugh so hard, it's it's always this but Obama with Trump supporters. Yeah. You know, we're running record deficits and we're adding trillion a trillion dollars to the debt. And Trump is increasing the debt more than any other president before him has done. You know, he's running record deficits and we're spending money out of control. And the first thing I saw from a Trump supporter, but Obama did it. Oh, yeah. What about Obama spending? His deficits were bad. It's like, well, just because they were bad under Obama doesn't mean that we're not supposed to make it better. That's not the conservative approach. That's this vicious cycle of the person before me broke the rules. So it's okay for us to do it. And and that cycle just keeps going. You know, didn't your mom ever tell you something like two wrongs don't make a right. You ever she, heard that? She probably did. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it's, it's like, kid, we're like kids. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not fair. He got to do it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you, you know, Trump, if I was going to say something to Trump supporters, keep in mind, if Trump, serves eight years in the presidency he will add more money into the debt than obama did like that's a economic fact right now he will add more money onto the debt than obama did and i know you get your talking point of obama doubled the debt i get it trump's not going to double the debt okay but he is going to add more money which is the important part in debt than obama did and the republicans have completely failed at this entire talking point of Cutting spending, this whole conservative idea that you're supposed to cut spending, they've completely failed on it. They have not cut the federal budget at all. 
Sure, they've reduced in certain areas, but they've increased in others. The federal budget is higher now than it was even when Trump came in office. Mm -hmm. They've completely failed at that. And they need to get back on track. We need some type of restoration of principles like we're talking about with this whole escalation, de-escalation thing. You know, when when Trump withdrew the 50 troops that were protecting the Kurds from the Turks, you know, all the Trump supporters were like, oh, we don't need to be in the Middle East. We need to get out of there. It's time to bring all the troops home, you know. And like you said, it's it's not two two months later. We're talking about, uh, yeah, it's a good thing that we killed that guy from Iran and we need to protect Israel. We need to do all these things. And then Trump's de-escalate. Yeah. It's like, what is your principle? I never know what the actual pr- the principle for for hardcore Trump supporters is whatever trump does that's what i like yeah that's what i like it doesn't matter what it is i'm just gonna and that's a dangerous ideology because trump's not going to be in office forever and you're setting a bad precedent for whoever the next person is that's going to be in office you have no room to talk anymore whenever we talk about cutting the budget we talk about the debt we talk about pulling troops from the Middle East, or we talk about increasing troops in the Middle East, there's no room for you to talk anymore because you haven't held consistent to a principle, to an ideology. There's no, the only ideology is I support whatever Trump does. And that's a really dangerous ideology because that only gets you uh, four to eight years. And then what do you believe after that? Well, that's the thing you have to ask yourself. If you believe in liberty and freedom, like and you believe in the constitution, let's say, Ask yourself, are you possessed by an ideology? Are you possessed by supporting somebody no matter what versus are you invested in your own individual sovereignty and liberty? Yeah. And if you are invested in your own what's best for you and your family, then you can't blindly follow somebody like, look, Trump has done some really good things, cutting regulation um, uh, and lowered some taxes, lowering taxes. Those types of things are really good things but on principle, right? They're good for the most amount of people possible, but increase in spending, um, military action, those types of things, the trade war, those have all been bad things. You know, we gave the farmers like $40 billion, you know, that's not a good, obviously good for the farmers, right? Because, you know, people in the farming industry, they want money. Like those farm subsidies have been hilarious, by the way, sorry to cut in, but there's this really funny part of those subsidies. And we didn't plan on talking about this, but my, my dad's a farmer. I grew up on a farm. There's a really funny part of the subsidies for the farmers where they said, we will give you so much money uh, per bushel to to offset what you've lost in this trade deal. So we'll give you so much money per bushel or so much money per acre that you plant um, to offset what you've lost in this trade war. One really funny part about this was they had, they had like this, this deadline, a date deadline. And we'll just say... I don't know what the deadline is. We'll just say the deadline was was uh, June 21st. And what my dad noticed was that because they were giving subsidies based on the amount of acres that you planted, there were people planting things on, on June 21st that knew that they were not going to make any crop off of it. It was too late in the year to plant it. It was never going to make any kind of crop. It was on ground that everyone knows floods every year. There's no way it's going to make any money. They were they planting were, in the middle of they trees. they were planting it like <laughs> everywhere so they could just say, oh, I planted this many acres. There are so, farmers out in the middle of the field just throwing yeah, seeds. <laughs> and that's kind of the, that's the dangerous thing that you see in Bringing these. Bringing in airplanes <laughs> and doing seed dropping drops. Dropping seed everywhere. <laughs> Helicopter seeds all over yeah. the place. And that's what you've seen in, on these farms where, and you see that with subsidies all around, is that it, it takes away the incentive to actually do a good job. And it just gets you in this mindset of, I need as many acres planted as possible. It does not matter if those crops are going to make at all. There are farmers in the area that knew for sure that those crops would never make anything, but they needed to get seeds in the ground so they could file for the right paperwork and get the right amount of money from the <laughs> could government. Could you imagine a person from the Department of Agriculture <laughs> coming by to review your land? Yeah. And you're like, now look here, Mr. Representative, I understand that this 1000 acres is underwater <laughs> what you can't tell by the way is underneath that water in the soil there's seeds yeah they're there 
<laughs> they haven't sprouted, unfortunately, but I need my money. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And you see that anytime when the government's paying for something, you you have a disconnect between uh, the actual productivity. I mean, we saw it, in, saw it in Russia when they would pay people based on the amount of hectares that they worked. And what they would find is when the farmers would get into the middle of the field, they would lift their plow up and just be racing through the field with the tractors. So they could, could see them. So they could say, this is how many hectares I planted, or this is how many, how many acres I worked. There's a disconnect from the actual needing to be productive and needing to be efficient when you're just when you're just saying, I worked this many acres, I planted this many acres, uh, you start decreasing the amount of seed. You know, you got to buy seed. Well, set your planter to not even put very much seed out or say maybe you would put a new, uh, a, a soybean seed would come out every single inch out of the planter. Well, go ahead and maybe set that like you would for corn and make it like every foot that a, that a seed comes out. You know, yeah, I planted that ground. Sure, I planted yeah. it. No, I planted you know, 10% of the amount of seeds that I normally would, you know, but yeah, Hey, that's planted ground. Pay me my subsidy per acre. Look, the birds must have ate it. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford the, the anthrax to put on top of it. Exactly. <laughs> anthrax. That's what goes on there. It's roundup. So well, that's really random, but we've got this new story here. And uh, by the way, subscribe to the good morning Liberty podcast. That's right. Yeah. If you haven't done it yet and you're listening on our website, a lot of people listen through our website, subscribe to this podcast. We do a new episode. Now we're back at it. We do a new episode every single day of the week. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube and anywhere where you consume live content. Uh, tell your friends about this because this message is important. We've got to get this message out here. The more people there are like us and like you guys that are getting this kind of content out in front of people, the better chance we have of surviving the impending socialist apocalypse that is upon us. So well, and look, 2020 is a big year. Oh, it's, it's an election year. Pretty There's big a year. lot of cool things planned for 2020. Uh, there's some amazing things we have planned for Good Morning Liberty, but not only that, but your country needs you. They need you to listen to this yeah. podcast because you look, you're going to be better informed about economics and you're going to be better informed about the differences between debt and deficit and what the minimum wage means and, and how socialism is infiltrating our government and what you can do about it. So you're going to learn all of those things on this podcast much easier than it would be if you were to go study the economics books yourself. Yeah. Nate and I have already done that. Yeah, just so let us. us let us be your voice. <laughs> and we've had actually we've had several people even reach out to us um, through our website or they've messaged us on Facebook and be like, hey, I, you know, I was talking with somebody about this and I found I was having trouble finding the source for these numbers. Could you help provide that? And Nate was like, yeah, definitely. Here's the source. This is exactly what the numbers are. And see those types of conversations. You hear us talk about it. And then if you need the source information, whatever, we provide that to you. And it just makes it so much easier. Yeah, exactly. That's how, and that's how you support the show. Tell that's your like, friends. Tell, tell your friends that be need to hear it. better informed. So here's an article from CNN. This came, I saw Bernie Sanders post this. So I had to talk about it. Um, Bernie lies. You know, they do really good they do a really good job at marketing and they do a really great job at making the emotional argument for all of their policies that they want to have. Um, and they can actually equate, uh, they can actually, they, they typically will equate capitalism with death and greed with death, which is a really dangerous thing that they're doing because um, we've seen that done before. When you believe that the evil business owners, the evil billionaires are killing people, literally, that they're causing people to die, then you will go through great lengths to implement your socialist goals. So um, this article from CNN, it's, uh, it's called... Well, let me, let me read the tweet from Bernie first. Okay. So this right. is on Bernie Sanders' Twitter. By the way, Bernie lies, so BernieLies.com, go there. But anyway, Bernie Sanders on Twitter said, Raising the minimum wage by $1 could have prevented thousands of suicides a year. We will end the 40-year assault on the working class and the suffering it has caused for our people. Every job in America must pay a living wage of at least $15 an hour. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> was that pretty good? That was good, yeah. Yeah. I'm, so, I've been working on that. So the article he posted was from CNN, 
And uh, that was a good impression. We should do some more videos of you talking Bernie. <laughs> Talk some more Bernie. Uh, increasing the minimum wage. I probably by, look like him right now. <laughs> you you kind of do. Yeah. Just need some glasses, maybe something like yeah. that. Increasing the minimum wage by $1 could reduce U.S. suicide rates. Study finds. From CNN. An increase in the minimum wage could help prevent thousands of suicides every year among workers with a high school degree or less, especially during times when unemployment rates are higher. A new 25-year observational study published this week in the Journal of uh, whatever that is, Epidemiology and Community Health found that a $1 increase in the minimum wage resulted in an estimated 3.4 to 5.9% decrease in suicide rates among adults ages 18 to 64. And a $2 increase could have prevented an estimated 40,000 suicides alone between 2009 and 2015. It says in 2017, there were an estimated 1.4 million attempted suicides among American adults and 47,000 suicide-related deaths. An estimated 1.7% of unemployed U.S. adults attempted suicide in 2017, compared with 0.4% of those working full-time and 0.7% of those working part-time. The current federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour, and 29 states in the District of Columbia pay more, while 21 states pay the federal rate. If the minimum wage had increased by $1 from 2009 to 2015, following peak unemployment in 2009, the researchers estimated that 13,000 suicides could have been prevented among people in that age group with a high school education or less. A $2 increase in the minimum wage could have prevented an estimated 25,000 suicides in the same period. This now, doesn't even make any sense. No. Like with the numbers they've even presented. No, not yet, because um, first off, in the beginning part of this, they're talking about unemployed adults. Right. They're, they're unemployed. Yeah. And, and we've seen, I mean, raising the minimum wage causes unemployment first off. Well, yeah. And there's no guarantee that if you raise the minimum wage a dollar, that those people would all automatically no. get jobs. No, the assumption is that all of those people making the minimum wage would still have their job and would be making more money. And, and also from my understanding on research, and of course we would probably have to dig into this a little bit more, but suicide is is uh it's wage blind there rich people commit suicide poor yeah. people commit suicide there's no it's there's no um correlation between economic status and suicide well they they the make, correlation is depression they make the correlation here but it 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 completely ignores all kinds of other factors which could be these people who are making whatever the federal minimum wage is if that's what they were making what other parts of their lives were messed up? And can you simply say that it was because of the amount of money they made? And and what they're what they're doing is they're looking at people who make seven twenty-five an hour and their suicide rate, and then the people who are making nine twenty-five an hour and their suicide rate. But you're not looking at the difference in the person's lives and those groups that you're looking at when you, when you talk about it. But they're not even looking at that. They're looking at unemployed yeah, I know. people. <laughs> so I wanted to go. But, so their numbers are based off of people that are unemployed, not employed at the federal minimum wage. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about people at the federal minimum wage just so we know I added this in here. In 2018, 1.7 million workers, or about 2% of all hourly workers, uh, earned wages at or below the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. So uh, 82 million people were, were paid hourly rates, and 1.7 million of them made the federal minimum wage. So 2% of them are making the federal minimum wage. Um, so it's, it's actually interesting to look at how this has changed. In 1980... When the federal minimum wage was 310, 13% of hourly workers made the federal minimum wage. And today, only 2% of workers make the federal minimum wage. Now, that's, that's something worth talking about right mm -hmm. there, where in 1980, you had 13% you had of people who were working hourly were making the federal minimum wage, and now it's only 2%. The number of federal minimum wage workers has decreased from 7.7 .7 million people in 1980 to 1.7 million people. And, and that's so that's kind of that's a good thing to remember whenever we're talking about this. So it goes on to say between 1990 and 2015, study found that 400,000 people with a high school education or less took their own lives compared with 140,000 with a college degree or higher. Um, 
yeah, we don't have to go too much further into this. So they're saying that a $2 increase could have even pre- prevented 57,000 suicides among the same group. Well, and then what's the percentage of that population, by the way? Because there are less people that have a college degree or higher Yeah, than there are with people with uh, a high school education or less. Yeah. So how many, how many Americans uh, graduate college each year? Like yeah. 20 million? It's still completely so, leaving so many things. It's a it's a perfect representation of correlation and causation by looking at whether or not they're making the minimum wage and and they're not talking about at all what is different in these people's lives. What why did some of these people have a college degree? Why do some of these people make a little bit more money? What's different about them as people? Are they are they even happier people because they're more motivated maybe they're more driven uh maybe they've had better better lives overall so just simply saying that it's because of the amount of money they were making and that's if we would have changed that then they wouldn't have committed suicide yeah it's just an emotional gotcha grab yeah like oh my god this is something so easy we could do well let's just increase the the minimum wage one dollar or two dollars well what if we actually care about suicide and this is the cause of suicide what, why don't we raise the minimum wage to $100 well, an That's hour? exactly what I said. Just uh, raise it all the way up and no one will ever commit suicide. That's what I responded back to. It's just absolutely to, ridiculous. I responded back to BS with, I was like, well, why don't we just raise it to whatever would stop all suicides from happening? Right. What's that? You know, maybe it's a million dollars an hour and no one will ever commit suicide ever. So well, wh- why this, not do that? They do this for a couple of reasons. One, it's, a good, it's an easy emotional grab to be like, oh, well, if you care about suicide... Yeah. then you would care about raising the minimum wage and they flip that on you to be like, Oh, well, if you don't want to increase the minimum wage, well, then you don't care about people committing suicide, obviously. Well, and it's making these points. Uh, they're making the points more emotional. Like I said earlier, where you can now you can equate, let's say you think the minimum wage is low due to greed, just say corporate greed, evil, evil, rich people. You've got to find every avenue if you're Bernie Sanders to equate that with death. Like these people are killing people. And that's what you have to equate because then people will do anything to to stop that from happening. You've seen this all throughout history where rich people are blamed with the deaths of poor people, basically. And then you can make whatever law you want. I mean, at this point, Bernie needs to be arguing for the death penalty for rich people. He might as well be Vladimir Lenin or or Joseph Stalin over here, just claiming that the rich need to be hung out in the streets so we can so we can see them hanging and and remember what that means about greed, because that's what he's saying. He's saying that the evil corporate greed is leading to the deaths of poor people. You know what? This gave me a great idea for an article. Okay. You should write an article on the celebrity suicides and what their Golden Globe nominations and received awards are. Yeah. <laughs> because maybe if Robin Williams would have got one more Golden Globe, yeah. then he would have he wouldn't have committed suicide. That we should have done everything we <clears throat> so could. So let's do to the research that. and then say, well, Hollywood just needs to give out Golden Globes to everyone to yeah. prevent celebrity suicides. Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe if uh, Chester Lawrence, that's Chester, not Lawrence, Chester from, um, from the band from Lincoln Park, Lincoln Park. Yeah. Yes. Maybe if he would have got one more Grammy, yeah. you know, he wouldn't have committed suicide. This, this correlation is just completely asinine, but they do it just to get your attention. Yeah. They yeah. do it to pull at your emotional heartstrings because of course everyone is against suicide. It's easy to be against suicide. Yeah, that's not. There's nothing hard about that. It's so ridiculous. I've got some better news we need to get. Okay, to. <laughs> let's talk about some brush fire, some brush fires from down under. Okay. All right. So this coming from the Guardian. Did you see this? By the way, I did not. This is, this no. is hilarious. So I saw a post on Facebook, and then I did some research on it, and it's actually a lot more money than I thought because originally I thought it was like thirty or forty thousand dollars, but uh, this is pretty funny. So in Australia. Uh, there are there have been fires, you know, right. largest fires ever seen in history in Australia in the history of Earth. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's never been more fire. Yep. Than nope. at this time in Australia. So a story from the Guardian: Instagram model raises seven hundred thousand dollars for Australia fires with nude photos before account deleted. <laughs> so in four days, 
20-year-old Kaylin Ward estimates she raised more than $700,000 for the victims of Australia's brush fryer crisis by sending nude photographs of herself to anyone who donates more than $10 to one of her chosen charities and sends her the receipt. So... So apparently, I think she's been disowned by her family, too. But could you just imagine like, hey, mom, I got yeah. a great idea. <laughs> great idea. Hey, it was a great idea where she raised a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah. She's like, look, I'm going to, you know, send some nudes. Sorry. And uh, raised over seven hundred thousand dollars. So the California resident has worked as a nude model since August of 2019. So she's relatively new to this. While vacationing in the Caribbean, she says she fell into a rabbit hole after reading about the unprecedented fires that are raging along Australia's eastern and southern coastlines. She said, I donated $1,000 myself. I had a substantial amount of followers, maybe 30,000 at the time, and I thought that a lot of my followers would pitch in and send in some donations for the wildfires. At around 10 p.m. on the 3rd of January, Ward tweeted a nude image of herself with an angel emoji acting as a modesty strip alongside a list of charities her followers could fund. That evening, she raised more than $7,000 in just one evening. The next morning I woke up, she said, and it had gone absolutely viral and I was flooded with messages. It quickly just blew up and went upwards of $100,000 before I knew it. So in one day, basically, she raised over $100,000 for what's obvious climate change brush fires. The sun, <laughs> Obviously. The sun has exhumed its wrath <laughs> on Australia because those Australians banned guns or something. I don't know. That's and why all of a sudden through sheer tearing of will, the forest just burst into flames. Yeah. This has obviously never happened. Now this is a good, this is a good example of volunteerism about how we can privately raise money for things that we care about. Honestly, like if you're looking, if you're, uh, you know, in the PTO and you're looking to raise money for your school, um, if you're, <laughs> if your church is hard up for money, something like that, consider what this girl did because look at all the money that was raised. If you need church, church donations. Yeah. I mean, just look at how people can come together through just pure love and come together and, and raise hundreds of thousands of dollars from people. You know, we can fund a lot of stuff like this. And I, I think we need, you know, I think we need to do the male version of this for, for the good morning, Liberty Instagram. We, we could. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, my favorite tagline people were, uh, you know, saying, and it's in this article, we're saying, uh, not all heroes wear capes. And a lot of people were saying, not all heroes wear anything. anything. <laughs> they don't wear anything. <laughs> and they send you photos of them not wearing capes. She's called and herself the naked philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> the naked philanthropist. A good, I mean, it's a good idea. But, you know, the important part to remember in this is that climate change is going to kill all of us. Obviously, there's no point in doing anything because it doesn't matter who wins re-election. They're not even going to make it to a full eight-year term uh, before the entire world is on fire or underwater. Either if one. If you I love, know. if you love the Earth, yeah, and you think climate change is real, send your nudes. Yeah, send nudes. That's what it is. Exactly. How much do you actually believe in it? Send some some pots. Now, now apparently, Ward, Miss Ward here, Kaylin Ward, has got about twenty other nude models to do this with her. So who knows how much money they're going to raise? Maybe a billion. Huh? I have no idea. I'm interested to see. So in the money, I'm yeah. interested to see the money. Yeah. Obviously how much not, they raise. I definitely don't want any nude pictures no. because now, that's not a good thing. Speaking of these Australian fires, here's our, our daily, our daily Jeff here. We'll talk about Jeff Bezos real quick. Now he caught some flack. Um, sadly enough, Jeff Bezos uh, raised about the same amount of money or donated about the same amount of money. But the problem was he didn't send any nude photos. To oh, anyone. Yeah. yeah. No. So he, he, well, did people pay him not to send nude photos? Uh, maybe <laughs> Poss possibly. Um, so he, he donated $700,000. And of course the left is just, this is insane. This is terrible that Jeff Bezos only donated $700,000 of his own money to try and help Australia. So it says, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos caught flax. This is from the Huffington Post, so you know it's good. 
Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos caught flack on social media over the weekend after announcing the company would donate $700,000 U.S. dollars to the wildfire crisis. Our hearts go out to all Australians as they cope with these devastating brush fires, Bezos wrote on his Instagram account. Amazon is donating $1 million Australian dollars in needed provisions and services. Critics called out Bezos, whose personal net worth is estimated to be more than $110 billion. For that amount, arguing it is a meager percentage of his and his company's net worth. They compared his donation to that of other public figures. So you've got some other people who have donated, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio donated $3 million. Uh, let's see, Chris Hemsworth, Kylie Jenner, Elton John, they pledged a million. Uh, and some others, you know, some, some famous people have been putting up a lot of money on this. And they're upset with Jeff Bezos for only donating 700000 that's a crazy world we're living in where people do decide that they're going to donate a very large amount of money of, to something. And then you catch flack for it not being a large enough percentage of your net worth. That's not enough. And I don't think any of these people went through what Jeff Bezos actually made this year, like actual income, because net worth is different from income, which we'll talk about. I don't think they compare what his actual income has been versus... I mean, even looking at people like Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, you look at these famous people that make $50 million a year off of their movies. Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't have to make any money off of any movies for the rest of his life. He's, he's got enough money. You know, he could donate the proceeds from his next movie to Australia and still be completely fine. But, you know, no one's going to do the, the math on any of that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to look at what Taylor Swift has donated and say, well, Taylor Swift made... 200 million dollars in in 2019 uh maybe she should have donated a little bit more money no they're they're not going to do that that they, they've got to you got to focus on the evil billionaires here and my thing is is all the critics how much have you donated yeah yeah like if you're going to criticize somebody how much have you donated you know bernie sanders in 2016 made over a million dollars he made like one million sixteen thousand something yeah he donated ten thousand dollars to charity one percent Yep. Of his income. And I bet you a lot of these people who criticize him, Bezos, are probably Bernie fans. Yeah. When, so why, don't, why doesn't the principle hold true? Well, there is no principle. That's the problem. Um, the thing that drives me insane in this, which we harp on all the time, is that people continue to confuse net worth with, with your income. I know Jeff Bezos makes plenty of income. I get it. He makes plenty of income. I don't know what his actual income is. But it is not the same as saying what his net worth is. Looking at his net worth and saying, well, his net worth is $110 billion, why didn't he donate a bigger percentage of that? Well, you're not looking at other people's net worths. You're looking at their incomes. And people confuse Amazon's stock price going up with Jeff Bezos making a lot of money. If you have stocks in the stock market and the stock market goes up and up and up, that's not the same as your income going up, but that's what we do for these, for these wealthy business owners. We look at what their stock prices went up because that's what, that's what dictates like 85% of Jeff Bezos's net worth is just ownership in, in Amazon. Mm -hmm. So th this, is, this is the entire disconnect that leads people to think that the wealth tax is a good idea. Well, Jeff Bezos has got $110 billion in wealth and we need to take some of his wealth and, and we're not paying attention to the fact that most of his wealth is an ownership of a company. It's not an actual physical income that's, that's coming into him. I get it. His income's probably great. He's, he's got an $80,000 a year salary from Amazon. I doubt that, I doubt that that represents the bulk of his income. I know he's got a lot of income coming in from other places, but we I mean, just, if he makes 80 grand a year, that's a huge donation. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's that, been saving up for a while for that one. <laughs> that's what we, we need to be able to separate these two out because when we're having these conversations about wealth taxes and things like that, we end up talking about wealth that is not liquid wealth. It's an ownership of companies. We, we did the talk with, with Elon Musk where literally the first year's wealth tax for Elon Musk would take all of his liquid wealth and would also have him having to sell tons of shares in, in Tesla and sell ownership of SpaceX just to pay the tax. And that's how we get to these terrible, terrible policies is by not understanding the difference between people's net worth and what their actual income is. They're, they're very different things. So It's so ridiculous. Um, more, more wildfire stuff in here. <sighs> well, it turns out, by the way, 
that these wildfires didn't just, you know, a bush didn't just combust from the heat of the sun no. and cause these wildfires. No, no. It turns out that a teenage volunteer firefighter is among two dozen people accused of lighting some of the historic fires that have raged across Australia. 24 people charged with deliberately lighting brush fires, 53 accused of failing to comply with the fire ban, and 47 accused of dis- discarding a lit cigarette or match. Now, Look, if they would have been juuling, you know, and vaping instead of smoking cigarettes, they probably you know, banned those already. There. They wouldn't have these. <laughs> so, see, but dude, this 19 year old kid, mainly, he's a volunteer firefighter. Maybe he got bored. That, this There's is not enough fires. This has been one of the, you know, we talked about how just crazy politics is getting. There's been a complete disregard, completely ignoring on the left, the mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, of the fact that arsonists have been starting these wildfires in Australia. Now, maybe not all of them. Some of them are normal wildfires during wildfire season. I get it. But we're completely ignoring the fact that this has been a deliberate act by people to go around Australia and light things, light wildfires to start them. And, and we're like, just, oh, look how bad climate change yeah, is. Look at climate change. Yeah. You know, well, they do this thing with hurricanes, earthquakes. Anytime there's a major event, like, oh, we we had more hurricanes than we've ever recorded before. Yeah. So it must be climate change. Uh, this is it's like the default position. They've talked about the numbers you know? of wildfires in, in Australia, and the data goes back to the year 1910. And that's the data that they have on wildfires. And yet you'll still see headlines for things like this is the worst. These are the worst wildfires ever seen by Australia in history ever. And you, people have to remember our scope of history is very, very, very small. Very, very <laughs> small proportion of actual history. You have no idea whether or not this is the worst wildfire season that Australia has ever had. 110 years is nothing compared to the 3.2 billion years that yeah. the earth has been around. And and that's that's the weird disconnect I see between like scientists and people, you know, they're say people on the right who think the 3.5 billion years earth has been here is like a made up number and I I get it. But then, you know, your people on the left and scientists, they'll agree 3.5 billion years can someone give me a quick computation on the percentage that 110 years is of 3.5 billion years? It's not very much time that we've been studying weather. I got uh, it for you. What is it? It's point zero 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 zero. How much time we have left on this podcast? A few minutes. One yeah. percent. Somewhere around there. Very, very small. Yet yeah. we look at that. And we say, oh, from from this 10 year period, wildfires increase like that's nothing. It's the equivalent. I I was talking to someone in a a group one time. It's the equivalent of seeing Apple's stock price go down by one cent and dictating that Apple's stock price is crashing. Obviously, it's going down to zero. Look, it just went down by one cent. That's the amount of time that we're looking at. Like it's nothing. And so these broad vast statements about how this is the worst wildfire we've ever had you have no idea whether or not it's the worst wildfire we've ever had you got no clue you've got about 110 years worth of data so maybe it's the worst in that time possibly if you were accurate in measuring that 110 years ago yeah. but that's it that's it and next thing you're gonna see this is not a joke next thing you're gonna see is High school test scores are down in Illinois. Experts say causes climate change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they're so they're so worried about they're climate They're so warm yeah. that they can't think straight. The test it, scores are affected now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there's just need to blame everything on climate change. And, you know, woman fails to stop at stop sign and hits a car full of kids, killing all five involved. Police say climate change. And Trump are the blame. And Trump affected her decision not yeah. to stop. <laughs> exactly. Like, they're going to blame everything. It, it's, it's this, you know, I get the climate change argument. We've talked about it a bunch of times on here. Um, there's something to be said for taking stuff out of the ground and putting it in the air. I get that that's not the best thing to do. I think we should freely move towards the cleanest energy that we can possibly have that is also affordable. Um, Without it being government mandated. But it's, it's things like this that make me 
uh, not believe anything that they say because you take these kinds of arguments and you decide that this is climate change is to blame and you completely ignore the fact that all these people have been arrested for arson and that people have started all these fires and just completely ignore it and only talk about how it's climate change. It shows that there's a, a utter lack of honesty in, in this ideology. It is a, a one-sided political feat that they're trying to accomplish by, by blaming this on climate change. It has nothing to do with actual science, actually saving the lives of people or anything like that. It's all about using this for your talking point, which is that um, we need more taxes. That's, that's basically the, the talking point right there. Mm -hmm. We need more taxes. That's what we need. We need more regulation. And whenever that's the basis point, that's where the argument always leads to. I just, I can't trust anything that they have to say. I really can't. At all. No. Nope. Um, you know, um, there's, there's this really important part. There's a really important thing to remember. I was going to say, now there's this talking point out about 200 people, 180 people being arrested for arson. I do want to say you also have to watch for things on the right also, because that figure I did read was taken from like the entire the entire year and not for this most recent outbreak of wildfires. So you have to make sure that you're paying attention to the facts on all sides. Like you said, there's been about two dozen people arrested for this specific outbreak of wildfires. Um, so you have to make sure that you're getting the right information from, from all of your sources that you're listening to, or just listen to the good morning Liberty podcast. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got to listen. That's basically it. You got to listen and share. I know you got to leave in a couple minutes. So I want to tell everyone, thank you for coming back today. Short episode today. Thank you for listening. We're going to keep doing this every single day. Follow us on all of our pages. Keep up to date. Message us, email us, talk to us as much as you can and tell us what you want us to talk about on this podcast. Uh, go follow us on Instagram, which is at Good Morning Liberty on Twitter, at Good AM Liberty. TikTok. TikTok. Look us up. It's, yeah. good, it's good morning, Liberty. Um, find we're us getting on, on the inside of that Chinese. Yep. We're giving them all of our data, <laughs> giving them all of our data. So yeah, go follow us on all the pages and go to Facebook, share our articles, share our posts. That's how we spread this message. That's how we get more and more people involved in the Liberty movement. It starts with you guys sharing all of the posts. So Charlie, take us out. Support this podcast. You can do that a couple of ways. The main way to do it is go to our merch store. Go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop and buy yourself some goodies. We've had several orders come in lately. It's been really cool to see. So the way it works is you guys buy yourself a cool t-shirt or a coffee mug because everybody loves coffee and everybody loves everybody needs to wear a shirt, right? Uh, unless you're sending nudes for the brush fire. Um, but if you're not, then get yourself a Good Morning Liberty shirt. You can say taxation is theft or whatever is on there. And we send you a shirt. You send us some money. You get a gift. It helps support the show. So you can also access that gmlconnect.com. That's gmlconnect.com. All of the links are on there for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for you to follow. Our shop is on there. So go get yourself something nice. Send us some money and we'll send you something in return. That's how you support the show. So like Nate said, share it with a friend. I'll always say share it with your communist uncle because you everybody has one. Uh, I, in my case, have a communist brother that I share <laughs> things with. And uh, so whatever your communist family, family member is, share it with them. Uh, and I uh, hope you guys have a good day. Tell somebody that you love them. And I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.